You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. morning, Father's House Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Got it. That's a good gauge. We're doing decent. Praise God. I just want to, I don't know if my wife is in here or not, but and I worship. Something has just shifted in my wife and it's just so, so good. Our worship team is just really doing such a good job. Can we give it up for our worship team? Give it for our media team. Awesome. Hey, really quickly, um, <laughs> we, we do need more nursery workers. How many of you want the church to grow? Raise your hand. Some of you are like, I see where you're going. <laughs> we need more nursery workers. As God has blessed us with a lot of young families. We have more kids in our nursery than I've seen here in 10 years. Um, but we need more help. Some of you grandmas out there, that are actually good with some small children, even once a month, once every five weeks, it'd be good just to build a bench. How many of you know you never retire from serving? Let me say that again. How many of you know you never retire from serving the church? Amen? Amen. Come on. All right, so um, also, I I just wanna paint a, a picture really quickly. Some of you might be thinking, what's the difference between a small group and a freedom group? All right, so a, a small group um, is gonna be like our normal small groups. They're built there in homes. Uh, they're built around uh, community, some fellowship, food, and then they have a little time of worship and they get into the message. Pretty laid back uh, type of atmosphere. Our freedom groups, somebody say freedom groups. Freedom groups is the, you might be thinking, well, who needs to go to a freedom group? Everyone, right? including myself. So freedom is just a a word that is basically used for like, how many of you know you still have some issues in your life even though you've gotten saved? How many of you know when you got saved, you still had issues? How many of you know you still got some issues? You do. No, I have no issues. No, that's your issue. You don't think you have any. But freedom is about not just being saved, checking a box, getting our get out of hell card, and wait till one day we can fly away. Freedom is about walking into this abundant life that Jesus has paid for for us on this side of heaven. Not just going to church and being religious and being robotic and actually just being depressed. How many of you know God's will is not for you to stay depressed all your life this side of heaven and one day it'll go away when you die. So we need freedom. It's gonna do some internal work in your heart. How many of you have been through some stuff? Raise your hand. Then you need to go to freedom. Because how many of you know we can hold on to that trauma and nonsense in our life, the way our dad spoke to us, the way maybe people belittled us, and that stuff sticks with you, does it not? So freedom helps God to come into those deep places of our heart and actually begin to do some surgery in our hearts so we can actually walk in freedom. 
Some of you have been trying to fix your anger problem your whole life, but your anger problem is probably rooted in you, you being hurt. So until you learn how to get through this hurt, you're not going to fix the anger. Usually you'll find very angry people are actually just people who've been hurt. They're grieving. So we want to see people walk in the fullness. The best gift you can give to your family is you walking in freedom. It's not another vacation. It's not some more Jordans. It's not another big Christmas. It's not any of that stuff. It's you being fully alive with Jesus, looking like Jesus, talking like Jesus, embracing people like Jesus, learning how to respond like Jesus. And that will all come not from Sunday morning attendance. This is a part of it. It will come from doing a deeper dive in your heart. Somebody say, I need freedom. Me too, sister, brother, mama. I was like, where's my mom? Here we go. All right, so sign up for freedom. It is amazing. We split up and the freedom will be on Sunday nights here at the church. We split up guys and girls and we're just gonna go in, we're just gonna go deep. It ends with a conference that's just for people who go through uh, the freedom. It is amazing. And also it's only once a year. So if you miss out and you're like, oh, you'll have to wait till next fall, right? That's a long time, right? So just be led by the Spirit. Ask the Lord, man, I'm ready. Some of you might not be ready to, give, to maybe get that vulnerable, but I encourage you to at least get in a small group. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Awesome. So this past week was 1127, glory to God. Sunday fun day. My daughter woke me up and she said, or she was saying, Maddie said Sunday fun day, and Elena came and she said, it's, it's happy Sunday. I said, well, that'll work. Happy Sunday. So it's happy Sunday as well. Um, so it, I think uh, Pastor Nathan already said, if you didn't hear the last couple weeks' messages, go back and listen. Lauren did an incredible job last week talking about unity, protecting the unity of our church, maintaining the unity of our church. How many of you know that's the responsibility of everyone in this room? Amen? Woo! Sometimes it looks like gossip stops with you instead of starts with you. You ever seen that? There's some funny stuff on Facebook. It talks about like, I'm not mad that people are talking about me. I'm wondering why they feel so comfortable talking to you about me. <laughs> Maybe, y'all know what I'm saying, right? So we start to take ownership, take pride in what God is doing in our church and just say, hey, you know what? We're just gonna get rid of the negativity. Amen? Keep the unity. So look at your neighbor and say, keep the unity. Look at your neighbor and say, stop complaining. Say it in a nice tone. How many of you know it's all about your tone? See, it was hard to get mad if you look at someone and say, hey, stop complaining. You know, no big deal. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, don't you freaking dare tell me that. We will fight right here. We almost fought this morning on the way to church. We will fight right now. Awesome. So as I was praying this past week and just asking the Lord, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to talk about? Uh, I, I, God, how many of you know God speaks? Four of you. And so God speaks. Uh, I almost have this problem of like God speaks all the time to me. And so all the time he's giving me ideas for sermons, ideas, just revelations that come to my mind. Um, a revelation is just when God reveals what something means. He reveals something to you that you didn't understand before. Amen? So we're praying for God to bring revelation. We're praying for God to bring understanding of something. Does that make sense? These are just fancy Christian words we use. A lot of us don't understand. 
Um, but that's what we're gonna pray for this morning. Like we've been continuing to pray that God would reveal himself to us through his word. So I was praying and asking the Lord, what do you want me to talk about? And I felt the Lord say, you know, recently we have left uh, a denomination and I, I start the Lord saying, like, I want you to talk about foundational, non-negotiable truths. Amen? And also maybe some trivial, debatable truths. How many of you know for too long in the church we get divided about things that we actually shouldn't be divided about? That there actually is room for opinion and interpretation. But there are some things that there is no room for opinion at all. And we're going to talk about some of those today, some non-negotiables. Amen? So we're going to get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Thank you for your spirit. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would use me this morning for your glory. Fill me with your spirit, fresh and anew, God, to speak with boldness, with clarity. And Father, I pray for every single person in this room as we've been praying to give them, open their eyes, open the eyes of their heart, bring understanding, bring revelation, God. Lord, we thank you that they would have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. In Jesus' mighty name we say, amen. Let's lift out our hands in front of us like this. Say, God, I receive anything that's from you and anything else. I don't receive it. How many of you know if it's from the Lord, you want it? Amen? Even if it stings a little bit, you know what I'm saying? You still want it. So I was trying to have that talk with my, my daughter yesterday. And the reason why, because man, there's you know three, five, six, it's like they're pushing all the boundaries. And I'm trying to reason with her, like the reason why if you listen to mommy and daddy, you, you can trust us because we're trying to make the best decision for you. So even though you don't like that, I won't let you go outside by yourself. It's actually best for you. Even though it stings a little bit, it's best for you. Amen. So anyway, so I was talking about non-negotiables and I was just praying, okay, God, what are really the non-negotiable truths or beliefs as Christians that you have to believe to be born again? And what things are up for debate? How many of you know we're living in a time right now where truth is basically, there's a war right now for what is true. There's a war right now for, for opinion and truth and my truth and your truth. But I'm here to tell you this morning, there's only the truth and it's in the word of God. And actually truth is a person and his name is Jesus. Because he would go on to say that I am the way, the truth and the life. And he's saying, I am the truth. And so there's these things um, that are non-negotiable. Some of you have maybe have a, had a interview before when you were having a contract for a business or for a new job, and maybe you had some things that you um, desired from that job, and you had maybe some non-negotiables. Where, you're, for an example, you were like, hey, I, I can't come below this amount of money. That's a non-negotiable. I won't go below that amount of money, period. Or, hey, I won't move. I'm not going to move town. I can take the job. I can work from home. But my non-negotiables are I'm not moving. How many of you know, especially our young people, we need to get to a place where we're having a whole lot more non-negotiables about our faith, especially for dating. I love asking young people about, about their girlfriend or boyfriend, and I say, hey, do they love Jesus? And they say something like this, I mean, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean I, he goes to church. That's not what I asked. That, going to church. 
You can go to church all you want and not live for Jesus, especially in the Bible Belt. You know what I mean? So young people, here's a non-negotiable for you. You ready? If they don't have a real relationship with Jesus, it's a no-go. Well, he's cute. Does he know Jesus? No, then it's a no-go. You gotta start to set up some of these non-negotiables for your faith, for your life, to value yourself better and say, hey, I'm gonna draw some line about some non-negotiables. I'm not hanging out with the opposite sex after a certain time at night. I'm not doing these things. I'm gonna start making some boundaries. Instead of, well, we really hit, I love them, my feelings. My goodness. Do they know Jesus or not? And let me tell you this way, if you're having to wonder or guess, the answer is no. All right, I'm moving on. Did you know, guys, there's over 4,000 religions and denominations in the world? 4,000 that have different beliefs. The major ones, you have Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, and Buddhism. How many of you know all of these different groups think that they're right? How many of you know that they all can't be right? Because <laughs> the Bible's very clear on some things. Like when Jesus says, hey, I'm the only way to heaven. If that's right, everything else is wrong. And so you have this war for truth, this war for what are these things that we believe. There's a lot of opinions out there, guys, especially today. We're seeing even different opinions about foundational truths uh, some people that even just question the validity of the scripture. You're like, well, the Bible says this. You know, I used, to, I used to be that guy that would be like, well, the Bible doesn't tell me that I can't smoke weed. Because <laughs> you can't actually find a verse that says don't smoke weed, right? But you can find some that say be sober, <laughs> right? And you start to twist things and bring opinions to... Um, the table, and no, you can't smoke weed, if you're wondering. I mean, you can. Actually, you can do whatever you want to do. Uh, and listen, you, you have a choice to make. You have a choice to believe w what you believe, period. But the reality is, there is a truth that's absolute regardless of what you believe, right? So you could, people could say, I could say, you know, my, my wife's name is Maddie. And you could say, well, I don't believe that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> You're just a weirdo now, because that's her name. You know, well, I don't believe it is. I mean, that's just simple. I know it's getting deep. This is just some simple logic. Not, my truth and your truth is so easy to get down to see the, the fallacy. It's ridiculous. But anyways, moving on. We really just want our, our truth and your truth so we can justify our sinful actions. It's really what it comes down to. Because if there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no hell, then I can live however I want and not feel bad about it. But if there is, and I'm gonna be accountable, then man, I gotta change, I gotta do something different. So I'd rather just say that that doesn't, that's not true. That's not true at all. So, non-negotiables. Number one, for born-again believers, here at the Father's house, what do we believe? Here's some non-negotiables for you. Number one, the Bible is the inspired, infallible, accurate word of God. It is, it is, it is complete, it was God, Holy Spirit, inspired by him, penned by man, wrote by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is the ultimate foundation and, and for morality and truth, period, every time. 
Some people have come through our journey in the past. They're like, well, I'm reading uh, this or I'm on, the, I'm on the fence and I'm also studying this religion. I like to mix them all together. No, the Bible is the only true word of the Lord, period. It is the standard. It gives us the map to everything that we need. And you're saying, well, I don't believe that. Hear, hear what I'm saying. You're free to not believe that, but you're not free to not believe that and be a born again believer. I know, thank you, one amen, awesome. So at the Father's house, what's a non-negotiable for us? Well, I don't believe the Bible. Hey, listen, you're welcome here at this church, but you have to believe God's word that he, because listen, the other thing is they, the Bible's false. That means God's a liar, and he's definitely not a liar. The Bible says that God is not a man that he may lie, period. So we believe the Bible is God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. Look at this. Breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Some of you are wondering why you can't seem to get past this hurdle of actually living righteously. It's probably because of the lack of the Bible in your life. One of my favorite quotes is, um, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. How do we know that's true? That's not just a good quote, because in Psalms it says that I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. How do we know that quote is true? It's because Jesus, when he was tempted by the devil, what did, he, what did he use as his sword? What did he say? He said, it is written. He quoted the scripture to combat temptation. This is not just a book, ladies and gentlemen. It is living and active. It is a sword. And we're trying to go out and fight a battle and live in warfare with no sword. You notice on, the, on, the, um, on the, the armor that we have of God, the sword is the only offensive weapon. It's the only action, everything else is defensive. It's a breastplate, it's a, it's a helmet, it's a belt, it's a shield, but the sword is the only thing we have to fight with. And so many Christians were stuck just like hiding behind a shield, like, oh, I got faith, I'm never gonna lose faith. And we're just getting beat up by the devil all the time. Instead of just learning, oh, I have a sword. And in the church for too long, we've made the Bible such a, it's like, I don't have to read it. It's not like you're saying, well, do I have to read it to be saved? That's like asking, do I have to kiss my wife when we get married? <laughs> what a silly question. If you're answering, if you're asking that question, maybe you're not born again. Do I have to, do I have to sleep in the same bed with my wife every night? I mean, my goodness, this is a lot. Do I have to have intimacy? We gotta get past this elementary thoughts of do I have to? And get, get to the understanding of the word of God actually equips us to conquer sin. And that sin that brings shame in your life when you do it and you're wondering why you can't get past it is probably because the lack of the relationship with the truth of God's word coming to your memory, devotion with him. We gotta get in the word. This is something that the Father's house will always stand on. The Bible is our standard, not the news, not your favorite celebrities, not your music, not any of that nonsense, the word of God, amen? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Man, how have you, look at your neighbor say, we need the word. Oh, man, the Bible's true. I remember when I was in a jail service, and this guy came up to me, 
And he said, man, I'm struggling. He said, I'm reading the Quran, which is the Islamic Bible, heresy, demonic. And he says, he says, and the, the Quran is telling me to physically harm people for bad-mouthing Allah. He said, so I'm in jail and I keep getting in more trouble in the jail when I follow the Quran. But when I'm re I've been reading the Bible recently and the Bible's telling me to bless my enemies and pray for those who despitefully use me. What? And I said, so you're telling me one of your religions is telling you to do a certain thing and it's actually ending you with more trouble with the law and more trouble in the jail. And Jesus is telling you to give grace and mercy and you're torn. And this way he told me, well, I'm not, I'm not fully this way or fully that way. I'm here to tell you that the fence belongs to the enemy. The Bible says, man, come on now. We cannot be friends with the world. We cannot be friends with the world whatsoever. Amen? So, we need the word of God. And he was saying, man, when I read the Bible, it's going this way and I'm on the fence. I like to read this, I like to read that. Well, they can't all be true. And if you're a born again believer and at this church, we will only preach the word of God, his absolute truth and everything else is a lie. Amen? So the next, there is one true living God and he exists in three persons. Some of this might be elementary for you, that's totally fine. There is one true God. How many of you know some people think that the God of the Bible is the same God of Islam? That it's just a different name in a different region of the world. I've heard that argument so many times that the God of this Bible, the Chinese have a different name for that God. It just all depends on where you grew up. I'm here to tell you, the Bible actually states in 1 Corinthians 8, 6, look for this. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father from whom all things and for whom we exist. Not only is there one God, but he is also the creator. He is the origin of all things. This is what's trying to be debated in our society, especially amongst our young people, the origin of things. Man, I could stay here for a long time. That, that where did we come from? Well, you came from a fish that turned into a whale, that grew legs, and turned into a monkey, and now became you. Okay. And that's easier to believe than there's an intelligent designer in heaven? I don't believe so. I think it's a lot easier to believe that there's intelligent design, that there is a God of the universe that created, that loved so much he wanted to give it away. And we see this with God saying, listen, Jesus Christ from whom all things and through whom we exist. Isaiah 44, 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I love this. I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Let's make it clear this morning. And some of you, you might be getting offended. Somebody brought you here today. That is totally, that's totally fine. Let the truth offend you and repent and believe this morning. Listen, the, the, the Bible is offensive, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus saying, hey, I'm the only way to heaven, that's offensive. When Jesus said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, what did they do? They tore their clothes. They, they hated the idea that he would say, I am. He would equate himself with God the Father, and they would hate that. The truth of God's word, the simplicity of the gospel is just, it's offensive to the world. Why do you think there's so much bloodshed and things going around the world for the gospel? Because we're not saying that Jesus is one way. We're saying he's the only way, amen? 
So he says, I'm the first and last. Beside me, there's no God. So we have God the Father. At this church, something that's non-negotiable is what we call the Trinity. Amen? So God exists in three different uh, substances, if you will, or he reveals himself in three different natures. God the Father. How many of you know you're at the Father's house? Right? First John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. So there's this three, the, the best picture of the Trinity in the Bible is at Jesus' baptism. Some people are like, well, I don't believe, you guys believe in three gods. No, we don't. We believe in one God. How do we know it's a Trinity? At Jesus' baptism, one of the best pictures, what do we see? We see Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh. We see Jesus getting baptized. What, what happens in that scripture? It says the heavens, oh, God spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father spoke affirmation to the Son, and then it says the Holy Spirit descended like a dove. Did you notice it said like a dove? How many movies you seen where a dove came down? That's why you gotta read your Bible. Because you we just assume that an actual dove came down. It says like a dove, right? Did you notice in the book of Acts, let's just take that a little further. At Acts chapter two, it says in a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I'm like, man, that mighty Russian wind came in. The Bible says it was a sound. If you don't, you gotta get in the word of God so you stop, your faith is not just an, uh, an echo of what you've heard in pulpits. Because you know why? If your faith is only what you've heard from here, it's gonna be very easy to get debated and be talked out of it once you get to college and once you get around people who are actually pretty educated. People got some good arguments for things, but they all have to bow at truth. So there's a father, there's a son, amen? So Jesus is eternally God. Here's a non-negotiable. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was man and he was God. He was not 50-50, he was 100-100. Now can we explain that? No, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm completely fine with Jesus being man and being God. This is the non-negotiable for us, the deity of Jesus. He was the word, became flesh, and dwelt among us. Amen, John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, talking about Christ, and the word was with God, and the word was God. This is very clear. Well, I don't believe Jesus was God. That's a non-negotiable, my friend. This is something we, I'm not, we're not gonna move on ever, amen? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. So we have a father, we have the son, and we have the Holy Spirit. Let's not forget about the Holy Spirit for one. For some reason, we've treated the Holy Spirit like the weird uncle that we like can't control. Instead of giving him his rightful place as God himself. I was heard from some pastors one time. They were like, well, what do y'all think about the Holy Spirit? They're like, well, we're just cautious. He said, well, you're not cautious about the Father or the Son. Holy Spirit is God. It is the Spirit of God. So one, one thing, oh, sorry, I missed something. So something that is concrete, non-negotiable about Jesus is his death on the cross, his suffering that he paid, his burial in the grave, and his resurrection. 
These are foundational, foundational, non-negotiable truths that we will never, ever pull away from. These are things that you have to believe. Actually, Paul would say if there is no resurrection, a bodily, physical resurrection of Christ, then all of our faith is in vain. Because if there is no resurrection, ladies and gentlemen, there is no being born again. There is no eternal life. He did not feed, defeat death in the grave. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, when it goes on to talk about how the death, burial, and resurrection, it goes on to say, um, the old death, where is your sting? He defeated death in the grave. This is something that we have to believe. This is something that's a closed fist that he rose from the grave. Amen? And you can't, you get into talks and circles. You really believe, well, that's a miracle. That's hard to believe. Let me tell you how easy it is to believe miracles because that is the whole idea of the whole Bible. He is a supernatural God. They're like, well, how do we know? Because he's supernatural. It's who he is. How do we know Jesus was born of a virgin? Because he's supernatural. This is what he does. God's natural is the supernatural. This is who our God is. So we have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and even further, also his ascension into heaven, that he ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen? That's so good. People, you know, I, I love the cross. As people are like, man, I love crosses. That's really cool, but that's not where he is. He's, on the, he's at the right hand of the Father, right? It's like sometimes we, man, come on. We want the whole gospel. The, the death, the suffering, the burial, and the resurrection, the ascension, and the authority that he's seated on. Amen? So these are non-negotiables. This is stuff we believe. We believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. I've said that before. There is no other way. We will never move away from that. Amen? I'm of your agreement with that. Great. Maybe I need to keep going a little further. That wasn't very many. He's the only way to heaven. You, you know, do, you know what, do you know what messes this up for us? It's when we get into emotional arguments. Let me tell you how easy it is to get into an emotional argument about Jesus being the only way to heaven when you start thinking about one of your family members who doesn't know Christ. And then you try, remember? And then you're tempted to start to change the Bible and change the truth because you, you know what I'm saying? But like, no, wait, wait, the truth is the truth. And it's even more that we need to get on our knees and pray for our family members, be the light of the gospel, find freedom, and, and be a light to our family. Even more, it should move you to tears. It should move you to compassion. It should move you to your Bible when you get the understanding that there is no other way. Right? Instead of just getting on the side of the road and shouting out, you're going to hell. <laughs> People do that. I was in St. Louis. There was a guy on the side of the road with this crazy outfit on. And of course, I had to talk to him, were you with me? And he's just yelling. Y'all are going, God hates you, you're going to hell. And I just casually went up to him and was like, hey, have you ever seen anybody get saved out here? No, but it's not about that. I'm like, oh, it's not, that's weird. <laughs> that's funny. Say, how long have you been doing this? Oh, we've been doing this for three years now, and no one's ever got saved. Hmm. Maybe there's a different method. Maybe God wants to change and transform your life so much that people see it and they're attracted to something better than what they have. 
instead of people just see that all you've added to your life is a religion and people don't want it. If all you've added to your life is a Sunday service, people aren't attracted to that. Who's attracted to like, hey, you know on the weekends when you have all your time off and your job, you're gonna start waking up early on Sunday and coming to church with me. It's not the greatest pitch, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But when you start to actually have a testimony, when you start to live a life in the fullness of Christ, your life starts to change drastically. People begin to see the change. They get to see you and your wife. They see your peace. They see your joy and they're attracted to it. This is why freedom is so important. So we would be a light to the world, a city set on a hill, not just a people who gather in services once a week, but a people transformed by his goodness, transformed by his love. And people would see it and they'd be like, dude, I want that. Whatever you have, I want it. Amen? This is why freedom's so good. Look at your neighbor and say, let's go to freedom. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Somebody say, I have the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Look, I love John 16, seven. Put that on the screen, please. I love this verse. This is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. What? Could you imagine God is with you in the flesh? And he tells the disciples, actually guys, it's better for you if I leave. They're like, what? How could this be better? And he says, because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him. Because the spirit of God is Jesus unlimited. Every single person in this room can encounter Jesus, talk to Jesus, be with Jesus every second of our lives all over the world by his spirit, amen? So the spirit of God is part of the Trinity, it's amazing. We need the spirit of the Lord, amen? So that's the Trinity, I got a couple more here. 11.55, glory to God, we got 15 minutes. Somebody help me. <sighs> so those are all non-negotiables, all right? Here's another non-negotiable, the return of Jesus. He's coming back, ladies and gentlemen, right? John 14, one through three, let not your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Isn't that, isn't that promising? So this is something that's non-negotiable, the return of Jesus. He is gonna physically, bodily return to this earth, amen? Here's another non-negotiable, marriage. Here we go, let me get to Mark. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I could go a lot further in a lot of these things, but I'm just not going to. Mark 10, six through nine. Jesus said, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's a non-negotiable. There are two genders, according to the Bible, according to the creator of all things. All right, and it's not because Christians are mean people who like to hurt people's feelings. It's because there's a truth. And that's simple, I didn't come up with the truth, I didn't write the truth, and you don't get to write it either. God gets to say what it is, amen? For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Even when I say that, once again, emotional arguments come in. Well, what about my friend? 
What about my sister? What about my aunt? If exactly, that should move our hearts to more compassion, to pray, to intercede for that family member to come to Christ. Amen? Instead of trying to change the truth of God's word to make us feel bitter about it. Amen? Not very many amens. And the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. At the Father's house, a non-negotiable truth is marriage is between male and female by birth. And that's something we will never, ever come away, move away from, ever. Amen? Why? Because that's what God says. It's literally just that simple. And I would even dare to say that God's plan is the best plan. You were actually created to be fulfilled in those ways by his design and nothing else. Amen? Amen. So a couple unique characteristics of our church, and then I'll get into a few trivial things. So here's, so those are non-negotiables, all right? So if we ever, if we ever move from God being the one true God, if we ever move from the Trinity, if we ever move from the virgin birth, if we ever move from the death, burial, and resurrection, resurrection, if we ever move from the deity of Jesus, if we ever move from the Bible is the inspired word of God, you need to leave this church because we've ceased to become one. You hear what I'm saying? If anything you're saying, if, if, they, if they have, if those are open for discussion, you're not at a church. I know it's quiet in here. I know I got this wonderful, happy board today. But church, if, we, if you ever see me in here with a different spouse besides my wife, We've ceased to become a church. <laughs> come on. Have you ever seen me up here with a different book besides the Bible? Come on now. Luckily for us, praise God, we have some accountability amongst our elders. If I was starting to do that stuff, they would remove me, praise God, like they should. <laughs> so quickly. So here's a couple unique characteristics of our church that kind of set the Father's house apart. Number one, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in fire. Jesus would say, we would see in all four of the gospels, that John the Baptist would say, I baptize with water, but the one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe that there is a, a, a subsequent event after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit where God will literally rest power upon you. How many of you know we just read a scripture that says that you have the Holy Spirit in you. The baptism is when this power comes on you. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And, and we believe at this church that the primary evidence that we see when that happens is people usually speak in tongues. Is that because we're a Pentecostal church? No, it's because we're a Bible church. And there's a lot of debate on these things. What happened in the book of Acts chapter two? Like a mighty rushing wind, they came in and what happened? Tongues of fire fell on them and they all spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. We're not gonna, we're not gonna shut out any part of the scripture, ever. The apostle Paul would say, I speak in tongues more than any of you and I wish that you all would. If that makes you uncomfortable, stick around. There's a book we have at the welcome desk called The God I Never Knew. I encourage you to grab that book. You're like, man, I wanna know about the Holy Spirit. I wanna know, I love the title, The God I Never Knew. Because we're so um, open to the Father, we're so open to the Son, and some of us, we've just like, nope, Holy Spirit, that's weird. I don't understand all that. 
But there's more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's more. There's a power from on high that God wants to rest upon you. There's a spiritual language that God wants to give you, and not just you, but you and your children's children. It is a promise of the Father. It's something that will always set us apart in this church as we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, my, my wife speaks in tongues. I speak in tongues. My son speaks in tongues. Come on. And I'm praying for the rest of my extended family too to speak in tongues. Why? Because I want them to be like us? No, because I believe it's in the Bible. Come on. We, see, little things like this set us apart. Here's something that's not gonna, we're not gonna debate about. Well, do I have to get the tongues in that moment? If I don't, what happens? We're not gonna debate on that. You're believe, well, I think you have to speak in tongues to prove the baptism. You're allowed to believe that. We don't believe that. We're not gonna teach that, but you're allowed to believe that and you have a place here. Well, I think that uh, tongues comes later. Okay, this is, this is trivial things. These aren't non-negotiable things. Regardless of how you believe about that, you're still gonna get to heaven. If you're on, I love this little meme I saw on Facebook. You tell us where I get most of my theology, right? <laughs> and it was a picture of Jesus and a little boy in heaven. And the little boy said, man, Jesus, where's everybody at? No one's here. And Jesus responded, they were just a little bit off on their theology. Some of y'all didn't get that at all. <laughs> they didn't really believe about tongues. Oh, they don't get to heaven. No, 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 no. You get to heaven through Christ alone, through faith alone, through grace alone. You're not getting to heaven from speaking in tongues. You're not getting to heaven from being prophetic. You're not, being, you're not getting to heaven from being used in gifts of healing. But my goodness, we're going to make room for those things at this church. We're gonna sing in the spirit. You might hear times when people, we say, hey, pray in the Holy Ghost, sing in the Holy Ghost, because the Bible would say, I pray with my understanding and I pray without my understanding. I sing with my understanding, I sing without my understanding. And listen, it makes no difference. People get so divided, because they're like, well, you, you sing in the Holy Spirit from the microphone. It's like, it's so legalistic and debatable. So I can do it like this, but I can't do it like this. Really? That's where we're gonna divide the line? It's silly. It's silly. These are not, these are not closed-handed issues. It's a unique characteristic of our church and always will be. Another unique characteristic of our church that I love is that we believe in women in ministry. We believe in women pastors. And I know some of us men have a hard time with that, but my goodness, I was thinking, somebody, these women can preach better than half the men I know. Go listen to Priscilla Shire. Go listen to Lisa Bevere. Go listen to Beth Moore. Some of these girls can preach and they can lead. Go listen to Heidi Baker. Go see what she's done all around the world. I would argue that Heidi is an apostle. My goodness. And then we let these little trivial things get in the way. So that's something that will set us apart. The power of the Holy Spirit, women in ministry. These are things that we aspire. Well, actually, it'll set us apart from most of the churches in town, and I'm totally okay with it. Because I believe that we, if, if you're concerned with some of those things, grab the book, be open, be eager, be teachable. Amen? All right. 12.04. Five minutes. How many of y'all believe me? Here's some trivial topics, you ready? The sequence of how the world's gonna end. Well, I believe Jesus is gonna pre-tribulation rapture us. You're welcome to believe that. I believe we're gonna have a mid-tribulation, we're gonna leave three and a half years in the midst of the tribulation. 
I believe it's gonna be post-tribulation. We're gonna be after that. I believe we're already in the millennial. Half the stuff I just said, you don't even understand anyways. <laughs> You're like, I don't know any of that. Let me make it real simple. He's gonna return. These are, these are debatable things. How many of you know the pre-tribulation rapture theology only came out in the last 200 years? Did y'all know that? Doesn't mean it's false. <laughs> but I'm saying it's, it's not a non-negotiable. And when we get to heaven and we're standing before Christ, he's not gonna say, well, you thought I was coming back before the tribulation, you're wrong, go to hell. <laughs> no, that's not a, that's not a non-negotiable. We believe he's gonna return. Now, granted, the way you do believe about certain those things, they can make you live your life in a certain way. I think they're very important. But we're not gonna divide over things like that. We're not gonna divide over those things. If you believe any of those ways, you're welcome at the Father's house. Amen? Here's another one. This is really gonna ruffle some feathers. Once saved, always saved. <laughs> some of you are like, what is he about to say? Hmm. There are people in this room who, believed, who believe in that, that, that way of thinking. Do I personally believe in that way of thinking and will it be taught probably from this pulpit? No. But maybe you have a conviction. I can bring you, man, I could show you so many scriptures that will say nothing can separate you from the love of God. Past, no present, no demons, no powers, not anything to come in the future or anything can separate you from the love of God. That anyone that God brings to Jesus in no way will he cast out. There's some scriptures that seem very affirming to the once saved, always saved theology. There's also some scriptures. There's also some scriptures that seem that Jesus himself would even say that there are false prophets who are coming who can even deceive some of God's elect. Paul would say over and over again, if you continue to the end, you'll be saved. Right? So what's this balance? You see too much of the once saved, always saved time. I don't really have to pursue Christ. Like the unhealthy part of it, I don't have to pursue Christ. I don't have to read my Bible. No matter what happens, I'm gonna be good. And then you got over here on this side of the things where the unhealthy side of this is what? That, that I'm, every day I need to get saved again. I messed up. I lost my salvation this morning. Can't find it. Which they're both wrong. I would like to propose that it's probably over here. I know it's just tough. Hmm. You know, what we're, what we're really, you know, I, I deal with hard questions all the time, especially for the center. Some people be like, hey, that person committed suicide. Do they automatically go to hell? You ready for this? No. Suicide is not an unforgivable sin. How many of you, you probably sinned this morning towards your wife or your kids being harsh or being a butthead? You're telling me if you got in a car crash on the way here, you'd automatically go to hell? That's silly. Only God knows the heart. We're gonna to continue to make mistakes. We're gonna to continue to need his blood. So you can say, I believe one saved, always saved. That's fine, you have a place here at the Father's house. I don't believe that way, you probably won't teach that way. It might ruffle your feathers a little bit. But you can believe that, that's debatable. Highly debatable. It's one of the most debated things ever, <laughs> right? But you know what's not debatable? The deity of Jesus. We get, man, we get so self-righteous and religious thinking we know if people went to heaven or not. What we're really asking is, did God's grace run out for that person or not? We don't know, do we? So let's not act like we do. Amen? 
Some of y'all just heard me say, he doesn't believe in one second. That's not what I said. That is not what I said. You know why I stand more on the side that I believe you can fall away from grace? Because I believe I have. That's my biggest contender for that argument. I believe I truly understood the gospel. I truly understood my life to belong to Jesus at nine years old. And I believe I've completely left it behind for 13 years. And I believe when I, if I was 19 or 20 years old and I would have died, I believe I would have split hell wide open. That's why I believe it. I believe I've seen it happen where people have come to the knowledge of Christ. I think I see it in the parable of the seed and the sower. I believe it's there. But if you might struggle with that, maybe you come from a different upbringing, you're welcome at this church. Amen? We're not gonna divide. One more. A bunch more. <laughs> Woo! Hmm. Another big thing that's trivial is the traditions of men. What to wear on Sunday. Should you wear a suit? One of my, oh man, I hate it. Some people tell me when I wear a suit, they're like, you look like a pastor. I'm like, that's weird, Jesus. I don't think he had any suits. I think he was actually poor. <laughs> hmm. These trivial things. Well, should I wear a t-shirt? This person wears this thing. <sighs> These are trivial, debatable things that should not divide us. What time, what time church should be? 10.30 on Sundays. You know, I have friends that plant churches and their churches, their church services are at night. Sundays at 4, 6 p.m. Some of you, that would rock your world. <laughs> We'd get so offended by something man created. We gotta stop doing that. You all thinking, are you gonna change the service? No, unless God says so. I'll do whatever he says. Amen. How many of you know that's a good characteristic? We should do whatever he says. That's simple. So these are just traditions of men, things that are negotiable. You know, how we do small groups, how many events we have a year, how many events we don't have a year. I'll just be transparent with you guys. I have no desire to be the big event church. I just don't. I'd rather focus on healing, wholeness, families, these different things. And we're still gonna do some big events. Obviously we have one today that I'm postponing. But do you guys hear what I'm saying? There's some things that we can't move from. Are y'all with me? There's some things we can't move from. There's some things we will not move from. And then there's some things that are open for discussion. And we need to stop drawing hard lines around things that aren't really hard lines around and just cause division. They just push people away. Instead of saying, hey, you have a seat here too. Man, they prayed from tongues this morning. It's like, well, that's what we do here. Right? But you're welcome here. Oh, I grew up Baptist. I grew up Catholic. You're welcome here. I grew up Methodist. I grew up atheist. You're welcome at this church. Right? But we have some things that might offend you that we're not going to pull away from. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Uh, let's stand to our feet. Pray, Tim, could you come? I'm going to end with the Apostles' Creed. Anybody know this by heart? Raise your hand. Get your glory. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm gonna leave out this part where it says the Holy Catholic Church, though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But the Apostles' Creed was, uh, from what I studied at least, it was created to be a confession before people were baptized. 
that they would have to be able to confess what do you actually believe before you get baptized? And they would say something like this. I think it's just powerful. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit in the holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Those are non-negotiable things. I love that idea. Like, man, what do we really believe? We gotta have some stuff that we stand for that we're not gonna move away from, amen? Amen. Can I get some, a little bit of music here? Can we just close our eyes for a second? I just wanna take a moment. Jesus, I just thank you for who you are. There's anybody in this room right now that just needs, who's been struggling with what they believe. They're like, man, I'm on the fence. I don't understand, but man, I need a new life. I wanna give my life over to Christ. I need a change, I need a shift. I wanna submit to God. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose to the grave. I believe he's the only uh, a payment for my sin. If that's you today and you're saying, man, I need salvation. I need to be born again. Would you just lift your hand right now? I need to be saved. Anybody at all, I just wanna give a moment before we go have fun. There's nothing more fun than this. Anybody at all, just wanna have a moment. The Bible says today is a day of salvation. I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, lift up your hand right now. Hallelujah. Now wait just one more second. Awesome, I pray everybody in this room is is born again. And if you're not and you're still struggling a little bit, you still have time to come to the altars. You still have time to call on God in your car, on your way home, at your house, and ask him to save you. So Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would give us an understanding and, and help us to find some non-negotiable truths, God, that we would not pull away from, especially for our kids, for our family, for the teenagers and young people in this room. Father, I pray right now that a holy reverence and conviction would fall in this room to stand for truth, to stand for their faith. In the midst of adversity, God, they would say, you know what, I'm gonna draw some lines. Father, we ask your blessing on your people, your blessing on this house for future generations, God. Let nothing ever come between these foundational truths in this church, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. If you need healing in your body, if you just need prayer for anything at all, our altars are open. Do me a favor, look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, do you need prayer? Say, I know you do. Say, I'll go with you if you do. Bless you guys. Go get your kids. Go enjoy yourself. Grab some food. Hey, even if you stick around 20, 30 minutes, grab some food. Uh, have fun with the family. We'd love to see you. Stick around. Have a good time. Bless you guys. 